Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is Extra Time on SENZ. I'm gonna call it now. This is SENZ. It is extra time with Ricardo Ball in for you. Through till 9 o'clock tonight when we cross to live Australian Open coverage. Uh, just uh, keeping you up to date with those scores. Uh, yeah, Rafa Nadal uh, on the brink of being knocked out. He's down two sets to love at the moment against uh, Young American. Uh, and I'll, uh, I'll get his name. Uh, somebody McDonald. I can't remember his first name off the top of my head. But we'll keep you up to date with that. And Francis Tiafoe as well uh, is in action and looking pretty good. He's about to go two sets up over Shang from China. Uh, but of course, we've just had had a big international game of football at uh, the, the Caketon in Wellington. Uh, the Football Ferns hosting the United States women's team and one of the Football Ferns that took part in that game joins us now, Ava Collins. G'day, Ava. How are you? G'day. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Good. How was that experience uh, in front of New Zealand fans against a team like the US? Oh, yeah, absolutely incredible. You know, getting 12,000, a record crowd for the Ferns was just amazing. You know, you really felt the energy and the spirit there. And obviously the US was a big challenge, but it was it was great for us. And just getting the support from all the home fans was amazing. Yeah. In terms of your experience on the pitch, uh, I know, you know, it's a, it's a big step up. You know, I know you've played, uh, what, seven or eight internationals already. But, I mean, going from playing, you know, college football in the in the US at St. John's to, to playing against players that play, you know, in the Women's Super League or in, in, at the top level in the US, it's, it's, it's some jump. How did you find it? Yeah, you know, it's honestly, I love the challenge. I love, it's just another opportunity to grow and become a better player. So, yeah, getting the opportunity to play, especially the best of the best with the U.S., it's just an opportunity that you don't want to give up. And it was amazing. And, yeah, I take it as an honour. Yeah, uh, in terms of what you, well, I know it's, it's, we were not long after the final whistle, but in terms of what you you learned from that experience, what, what have you taken away from it since you sort of sat down? Yeah, yeah, it's not been too long, but, um, you know, we've had a bit of time to think about it and, I think we can just, you know, learn how we how we know what to do when it's going well and things that we know what to do when it's going wrong. You know, we just need to come together after, you know, we've stuck together during this game and keeping that unitedness and that togetherness is like a main goal for us. 
and I think we did that really well today. So that's a definite positive we can take. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we had a couple of attempts at goal, uh, not as many as we'd like, but I, I guess getting the ball uh, and holding on to the ball for, for any length of time is, is really the, the, the issue when it comes to playing a team like the US. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we know that they're a possession-based team and, you know, we're going to have less of the ball when we're playing them. Um, but it's taking those opportunities when we can, when we do get the ball, having quick counters. And I think, yeah, we'll be looking for a couple more opportunities in the next game. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got uh, you've got another game not too far away on Saturday. Um, how are you going to approach that game? Now, you've got this out of your, I guess, out of the way, that first game, the big crowd you talked about, the, the nerves and things. Um, how do you think you're going to approach this game? And, and what do you think will be the work on yeah, I think we'll have you know we'll have a good uh, analysis of this game and see all the positives and things that we can work on. Um, but I think we're just going to stick you know to our game plan and and stay strong, stay united, stay together. And um, you know that's when the opportunities come when we're cohesive and we're working together as a unit. We know we can make some great things happen. You got to play uh, in a slightly more advanced role than you know, maybe you, you would do um, at, at, at college. Well, how did you find that today? How was that experience for you? Yeah, honestly, I love I love being everywhere on the field. I love a bit of both. You know, for college, I sometimes play in the midfield or out wide. So it was nice today playing out front, um, you know, quite a bit of running, but uh, that's always good. And, you know, it's always interesting. And seeing everything from that perspective, it, it's nice. So it was good. Yeah. how Just how quick uh, and physical are they? Because, you know, watching it from here, uh, you know, on, on the TV, it's, it's, it's easy to be, to be critical, I guess you would say. But watching it from here, I was like, man, they just they just look, you know, half a yard quicker all the time. Or is that, do you think about positioning and, and things? You know, it's a bit, a bit of both, but um, they are just an athletic team. You know, America does just breed athletes. So, you know, mm. they know what they're doing in that respect. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, it, half of it is positioning and things and, you know, just they've just got those 1% down and it's just something that we can learn from them and, yeah, take it as a great opportunity for us to, uh, you know, grow and, and see what they do and then implement it in our own game. What was the game plan going in today? What did Yitka talk to you about? What did you work on at training as to how you could hurt the US and potentially score? Well, we know that they've got, um, they like to play very narrow. So, you know, we'd like to go out into the flanks and play wide in those areas. Um, but our game plan was, yeah, just stay together, stay united. And if we stick to, you know, staying cohesive and playing our game and not, you know, dropping to their style or playing the way they play, then, you know, good things can happen. And I think we're going to keep going with that and stay stay focused on that for the next game as well. Mm, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Paige, I thought, uh, looked good when she came on uh, with, with, with her pace. Uh, uh, are you guys cemented, do you think, in a, uh, what looks looked to be a four four two with two, you know, really solid blocks that sat a bit deeper? Or uh, do you think, you know, have you been working on other, other formations, you know, as a four three three a possibility just to really have a crack at them? Uh, well, we, you know, we like the 4-4-2 at the moment. We're sticking with that. Um, but, yeah, we do have multiple other formations that we could go into, but it's all up to Yitka at the end of the day, and we'll just we'll just go along with that and see and stick to the game plan. Yeah, cool, cool. And, I mean, obviously, we've got a, we've got a World Cup here not too far away, Ava, and so you're doing your best to make sure you're part of that setup. Um, how has the setup been since you've been home? Uh, I know it's a bit of a, uh, a mixed squad. Some players not available due to it not being a FIFA window, but how, how have you found it? Yeah, no, it's been great. Honestly, the girls coming in, we all we all played together in New Zealand, so it's it's great. They've just slotted in so nicely, and you know, as I said, like we're just like a little family, and. 
staying together and united has been like the key thing for this tour. Um, so yeah, it's been a great opportunity and obviously, yeah, it's been a bit difficult being out of, um, out of the FIFA window, mm. but you know, we've just taken it in stride and we're just focusing on the positives. Uh, just uh, away from the game for a moment and, and to your personal situation with St. John's, how much longer have you got there and what's, what's your plan for your football career post that? Yeah, so I probably have about a year and a half to go with St. John's, um, depending on whether I take my fifth COVID year or not. Um, but plans after that, you know, I'd love to go pro. Um, so probably looking either Europe or possibly the W League, um, anything. I'm just, um, yeah, I just want to keep going with it. Yeah, OK. And you're taking that uh, opportunity to have, have, have words to Natalie Lawrence while you've been based in Wellington? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a good friend of mine. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep her in my good books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that, do that. Hey, Ava, thanks very much for giving us some time. I know it's not easy after a game. Uh, you know, you've, you've, you've run your socks off, but I really appreciate your time. Go well uh, and good All luck good. on thanks Saturday, eh? Will do, will do. Thank you very much. Thank you. There we go. Ava Collins with us from the Football Ferns. Were you there? Were you at the game? Are you on your way home? Uh, did you, or did you watch the game somewhere else? Uh, let us know. Keen to hear from you. 0800 150 is our number. 0800 150 Or you can hit us on double eight double three. That is our text machine. And uh, keen to hear your thoughts on that game. The Football Ferns uh, up against the US women's team. Ended 4-0 to the US. It was nil all at half time. What positives could you take from that? Where do you think we currently sit, given we have a World Cup coming up uh, on our own shores in the next little while? 0800 150 811 or 8833. This is SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through until 9 o'clock tonight, six months in a leaky boat. Follows Seven Nation Army from the White Stripes. Uh, we are having theme. Doing, Ben's working hard on themed music uh, outros um, for, out of every break uh, through the show. Last night our theme was songs with back in the title because I was back for the first time since October. Uh, tonight's Seven Nation Army, Six Days in a Leaky Boat. Kind of think where I know where this is going, Ben. Well, you're thinking correct. I would assume so. Just the telepathic, just trying to read your mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm going numbers. But what I want to know is we've gone seven, six. Is the next one five? Are you actually counting it down? Actually, that would have been a good idea. But no, numbers <laughs> got numbers all over the place at the moment. So, but uh, no, I couldn't have done five. No? Couldn't have done four. Mm. Got three, two, one. Okay. I got some other numbers in there as well. But Yeah, well, zero by the Smashing Pumpkins. That's, that's another one that you could do. That's a number technically. That is a number, but it wasn't on what I had. Okay, but, uh, all right. I, we can always add it. Just you know, we want people to text through. So if someone texts it through, hey, I'll, I'll grab it because the listener wants to hear it. Yeah, double eight, We're all double about three. the listeners. Double eight, double three. That is the text number. Double eight, double three. Uh, flick through your ideas uh, for our themed uh, for tonight, which is songs with numbers in the title. What have you got for us? Numbers in the title. Double eight, double three is uh, the uh, the text number. Uh, just updating. Mackenzie McDonald is the American tennis player uh, whose first name. I couldn't remember, um, and it's because he's got two surnames, um, Mackenzie McDonald. Uh, he is up six four six four over Rafa Nadal. It is four all in the third set. Rafa looks like he's carrying an injury, maybe a groin. Uh, Stephen McIver thought it was a potentially a hip flexor, um, so we will see. But he doesn't look himself. And uh, you know, I I kind of looked at this and thought. Maybe, just maybe, Rafa will pull through, will push through and, and get it done. But I'm I'm less and less convinced as I uh, watch this set progress, Ben. He, I, I think he could be 
and a big upset and an early casualty. Mackenzie McDonald ranked 66th in the world. to certainly be his biggest scalp. Uh, but of course, last night we saw uh, a couple of other big names progress. One of those was Novak Djokovic. And there were a lot of question marks. Serbian media was uh, reporting that he had a hamstring issue and had cancelled some practices. There was even speculation he might withdraw from the tournament. Didn't happen. Turned up, one in straight sets. Very much appreciated. I felt uh, very welcome uh, on the court, uh, especially the Serbian community that is big here in Australia has uh, welcomed me in an incredible way. So much support, so much love. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better um, start of the tournament in terms of uh, support, in terms of how I felt on the court and also playing. Let's have a few in English. Anyone there? Hey Novak, uh, this is Vinay for Insight Tennis. Congratulations on the first round. Thank you. Um, so you're going for really big numbers like 10th Australian Open title, 27, 22nd Grand Slam, and also the world number one. How do all these numbers kind of like play in your mindset as you go through this tournament? They're just numbers in the end of the day. You know, I think uh, it's important to... Um, I feel like... Uh, try to get as close as possible to the balance between using the possibilities uh, and achievements that are uh, out there as a motivational factor, um, as, as a goal-setting uh, type of motivation that will drive you as a guiding star in a way, but at the same time balance it with uh, an everyday tasks that you have to accomplish in a proper way in order to stay in the present moment, which is when you are able to perform your best, at least in my case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been in the situations before where I've played for some really big historic things and I've been blessed to, um, to have, um, I would say, more success than failures in those particular situations. So I know how to behave, I know how to handle it. Um, Let's see. Let's see how far I can I can go. Howard, I know that Howard Fendrich with the Associated Press. Why had it been so long since your parents and brother had come here, and why now? Why are they back this time after 15 years? Well, it's not really around the corner from Serbia, you know. Uh, Australia is a pretty pretty long way, and that that's probably the biggest reason, you know. They they've come to watch me in Paris, uh, Roland Garros and, and Wimbledon. Uh, the US Open and, and, and particularly Australian Open has been a, a bit of a trip for, for my parents particularly. So I'm really glad to to have them here. And um, as I said on the court, the last time they were here, actually the, the only time they were here was, was back in 2008. And we have some great memories and uh, conversations about um, the time that that we spent there here you know together now 15 years ago so yeah hopefully uh, they can they can stay all the way i can stay all the way and we can have another great celebration i know about my name is nam nguyen from uh, PSTV in vietnam congratulations on the win thank you yes and uh, how is your leg going and uh, what do you evaluate about the bow of the tournament Please. the leg is uh, is is good. It's not ideal, um, but it's getting there. Um, you know, today was a very really good test. Uh, haven't had too much training in the last few days, to be honest with you, tennis-wise. 
So um, yeah, I was really, really hoping that um, things will be uh, well on the court from the from the first to the last point, which was the case. And I'm actually really glad that it felt better as the match progressed. So the, th the third set, you know, was great. I mean, that's a, that's a good signal, a good sign. And when it comes to your second question, the, the tennis ball has changed this year. I mean, it, it is different from last year. I mean, uh, the the longer you play, the more rallies you play, the the fluffier or the bigger the ball becomes, and it's slower. So, I guess now I I saw that Popperin is playing now over four hours. Um, Root played over three and a half hours. So I, I think we are going to see more of those longer duration of matches this year than we have maybe last year one of the biggest reasons will probably be the ball because particularly in the big courts uh, i don't think the surface speed of the surface has changed much uh, the, the outside courts are pretty quick um, um, the, the, the the stadium courts are a bit slower but the ball is slower and so that that affects the play there you go. That is Novak Djokovic speaking after his uh, straight sets win last night, progressing to the second round of the Australian Open. Sounds like that hamstring is uh, is all but good. Uh, he said not ideal, but it's nearly there. So that that is great news, and uh, looking forward to seeing how Novak goes throughout the tournament. Another big win yesterday was Sir Andy Murray. Uh, Sir Andy uh, got through in five. It was a real battle, and uh, you know he's unseated here. Beat Berrettini, the Italian, who was ranked thirteenth in the tournament. Uh, this is what. What Sir Andy had to say post match. Yeah, feel feel tired, um, but yeah, I mean, reflecting on the match, yeah, it was. You know, I haven't had loads of time to digest it, but I think it was was a really good match. I think I did did very well to to hang in at the end because it could have got away from me with the way that he was serving and the way he was playing. Um. But yeah, on, on the whole, I, f I felt like I, you know, I created enough chances to, you know, to win the match. And had I, you know, picked one of the, you know, one of the break points early in the third, it could have, you know, been been a slightly different outcome. But um, yeah, I think it was. Well, it felt to me like we we played some really good tennis at times, and um, yeah, really happy to get through. Thank you, Andy. We'll keep this one short and questions, please, on the floor. When you speak your questions, please speak about your name and outlets first. first. Thank you. Questions, please. Eleanor. Hi, Andy. Eleanor Cook, Press Association. Well done. Obviously, you've won huge titles and so many big matches, but I just wonder what were the emotions like today compared to those other previous victories? And does it, it feel different because of everything that you've been through? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the last few years, um, yeah, like I, I, I've certainly questioned myself at times and there's certainly a lot of people questioned me and my ability and whether I could, yeah, still perform at the, the biggest events and the biggest matches and, you know, <clears throat> yeah, I felt... Yes, I felt very proud of myself after the match, and that's not something that I generally felt over over the years at the end of of tennis matches. But um, yeah, I think I'm proud of the the work that I put in the last the last few months. I trained really really hard. Um, 
you know, over in Florida getting ready to, to play here. And I'm really proud of how I, you know, how I, how I fought through that match at the end when, like I said, it could have got away from me, you know, how I played and the, you know, the, the, the tie break um, at the end, I thought, yeah, it was, was really, I was impressed with myself. Um, <laughs> which, again, is not something that, you know, I'm hard on myself usually, but, um, yeah, tonight I need to, yeah, I need to give myself some credit because the last few years have been tough. I've lost a few of those matches, um, those type of matches and the the slams the last couple of years, whether that's the, you know, sit-to-pass match or whatever, or Isner at Wimbledon and stuff, and that, you know, that one could have gone the other way tonight, but I stayed strong and I deserve to win. Go back first and then come. Um, so, yeah, Andy, the, um, <clears throat> can you just tell us a bit about the, the Florida trip? Because obviously you, you, had a, you played uh, Seymour in your last match of last season, which wasn't that great, the outcome. Um, when you went out to Florida, was it just you or did you go out with her? I know you were going to meet Ivan there, but um, can you just remind me where it was and did you just kind of stay in a hotel on your own or do you have people with you or I mean I presume it was kind of hard graft yeah so I, I went um I was there for th- for three weeks we were in Boca Raton um a, like a, a country club there um I stayed in a house which was maximum two minute drive from the court that we practiced on every day there um and I went with uh Ivan was obviously there staying at home and um, the physio that I was working with was Phil Hayward, um, who was there with me for the the whole three weeks. Hilts came out um, for a couple of weeks of it as well. And yeah, we just we trained there pretty not every day. We had obviously some days off, but yeah, put a lot of a lot of work in on the court. I did a lot of um, you know a lot of cardio work. Um, off it on the on the bike and on the Versa climber, um, and yeah, just you know, lived a pretty sort of basic life. Like um, for for those weeks, like I was just yeah, I'd get up same time most mornings and you know, go grab a coffee, get down to the the practice court, spend two and a half three hours on the court have lunch and then head to the gym in the the afternoon or sometimes go back on the court again. Um, And, yeah, just, you know, had very, very little distractions. Um, I was totally focused on on my training and on my tennis and the things I needed to do to to get better. And, um, you know, it's something that, you know, I'll definitely look to do at times, during the rest of this year to make sure I, you know, dedicate enough time to, you know, the, the hard work and, and improving my game. There you go, Andy Murray, speaking after he won last night in five sets over uh, Berrettini, the Italian, and he is through to the second round. Rafa Nadal continues to battle away. He is uh, has been broken now. Mackenzie McDonald is serving for the match. He is 6-5 up and serving for the match against Rafa Nadal. Could be a big moment in the Australian Open of 2023. This will keep you up to date with the score as uh, it continues to play out. It is 7-27. Remember from 9 o'clock, 
you can stay tuned right here on SENZ to catch coverage of the Australian Open. But next, we head to Australia, catch up with Scott Pride, the editor of Zero Tackle, and we talk about the NRL and the collective bargaining agreement and what is going on. It's 28 away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. It is Extra Time with Ricardo Paul, our theme for the night uh, with songs is songs with numbers in the title, song two from Blur there. And joining us out of Australia is Scott Pride from ZeroTackle.com. And I suppose Zero plays into that as well quite nicely. Scott, how are you doing? Most certainly does. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, anytime. Now, your first time on the show, it is a tradition that, uh, much like, uh, I guess, when somebody breaks into a team for the first time, that you have to sing for us. Have you got a song that you'd like to do? (laughs) That is the world's worst tradition I can't do. That's all right. We're just winding you up, Scott. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Hey, um, now, I know you're in Melbourne at the moment, aren't you? Uh, Sydney, actually. Oh, you're in Sydney. Uh, Yeah, yeah, okay. And I just saw Rafa Nadal's being knocked out of the Australian Open in straight sets by an American with two surnames, Mackenzie McDonald. <laughs> he has. Yeah, Nadal looked like he was... I was watching a bit of that game. It looked like he was uh, struggling with an injury this afternoon. So, um, yeah, big blow for the Australian Open. And, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I suppose it opens the tournament right up now. Yeah, yeah, it does. And uh, we'll have to see uh, what becomes of Mackenzie McDonald from here, if he can uh, he can go on and uh, and repeat that form. Hey, listen, we didn't get you on to talk tennis, even though you're a knowledgeable man on many things, uh, including <laughs> a, including a, a cricket as an umpire and things. But you are the editor of ZeroTackle.com, which is uh, probably, I think, the best independent source for uh, rugby league news there is on the internet, mate. So good job on that. But wanted to get you on to talk about this, uh, the collective bargaining agreement and the NRL, because... Things aren't sweet. I thought before Christmas, just before I turned off all my media and did sod all for a couple of weeks, that they had organised us, that it was sorted, and we we had an increase in the salary cap. What's going on? Well, it appeared that way for a couple of hours. You know, the the whole situation's a mess. You know, firstly, it was supposed to be agreed on by mid-October, and some of the players have certainly not been backwards in in explaining that this week. They've been at the negotiating table for well over 12 months now. But, um, yeah, the NRL did announce a salary cap, you know, record increase, and everyone went, oh, you beauty, they finally sorted it out. Uh, And then a couple of hours later, the RLPA came out and went, well, no, we haven't. It's not sorted out at all. This is ridiculous. Um, and so now they're still stuck at the negotiating table. And if anything, judging by comments this week from players like Christian Welch out of the Storm, who's, of course, an RLPA director, and Pat Carrigan out of the Broncos, things have actually gone backwards, if anything. Um, I think Welch made a comment during the week that, you know, seemingly they're, they're not even close to an agreement. Um, Carrigan talked about how frustrating it's been. And now you've got clubs pulling out of media commitments here in Australia this week. I know the Warriors are stuck by their commitment this morning over in Auckland. But, um, you know, certainly I believe the, the Broncos and the Sharks, the Dragons, uh, Melbourne and Penrith have been rumoured to do the same. Newcastle pulled out of theirs. So there's six clubs straight off the bat who have pulled out of official NRL media commitments, uh, which are supposed to be promoting the season. And uh, it appears that it's only going to get worse from here. Um, you know, it's a real mess at the moment. It is a real mess. Uh, do you know what the sticking point is? Is there any talk about that? Because I saw the the record increase, right? And I went, well, I know that there is a uh, something in the in the contracts of all the players that if there's an increase to the salary cap, then that incrementally gets adjusted to everybody's salary. Um, but it looked like it also meant there was more money in the pot, so we were going to see more player movement. So what's the sticking point? So. Yeah, every well, most players, I believe, have a what they call a ratchet clause in their contract, which is where when the salary cap increases by X percent, their contracts will also go up by the same uh, level of percentage. Um, whether that leaves more money in the pot or not is disputable. Um, certainly, you know, everyone's going to be on more money and future contracts will be worth more. 
Um, but the st- uh, they're talking about, yes, money is one thing and the salary cap is a big thing, but the sticking points um, seem to be around the players actually being heard, having a seat at the table with the NRL, not being uh, overly questioned if they if they say something, um, you know, in, in terms of everything from rule changes to the future direction of the game. Um, you know, the RLPA want a bigger seat at the table and that seems to be a sticking point as does the women's game which we know is expanding rapidly and you know it's a shame that the Warriors had to pull out of the NRLW we hope that they'll, they'll return to the competition one day uh, but you know the NRLW is expanding in leaps and bounds and it's gone up to 10 teams this year I believe it is uh, you know we've seen you know, plenty of um, uh, you know new clubs coming in there but and, and the salary cap also there was going to increase by a record margin but you know all the talk is essentially that um, not enough not good enough and um yeah a number of different sticking points there but it you know the whole as i said before the whole situation is an absolute mess at the moment it is uh, we're only two weeks away from pre-season matches as well uh do you think it will come to the point where we maybe have a player strike like we've seen in the states you know in, in baseball and in hockey before well, that's what I was going to say. You know, it certainly has happened in American sports, so it's not impossible. Um, we've never seen it in Australian sports or sports really outside of America. Um, but, you know, both Welch and Carrigan hinted at it in their comments this week. They're not ruling it out. Um, the RLPA have previously refused to, to rule it out. You know, they've called it the last resort. Um, but you have to wonder now how close we are getting to a last resort because it seems that neither the NRL or RLPA are going to budge on the key points that they are you know, putting to each other. And again, we're not completely privy to all the details. They, they keep a lot of it fairly private. But um, you, know, you have to wonder how close we are getting to that last resort, which will be a player strike. But you know, there's one thing that kept, I, I guess, kept ringing in the back of my head all week, which is you know, we've just been through this COVID pandemic and Peter Volandes and Andrew Abdu, they kept the game of rugby league running more than any other sport. You know, they, were, they, they went longer than the AFL. They started sooner than the AFL over here in Australia. Um, they moved the Warriors from New Zealand to Australia. They moved the competition into hu- like central hubs and that. So it's hard to see them letting this um, bring a standstill, bring the competition to a standstill rather, and reduce the length of the season. But it's certainly not impossible, impossible, and I wouldn't be ruling it out at this stage. Yeah, I mean, it, the effect that it is having is not so much on the contracted players. But I guess, you know, and in your article that you put up today about this, Matt Lodge, Cooper Johns, uh, Martin Tapau, are guys who don't currently have contracts. They're waiting to be given contracts, but those contracts can't be inked until they know how much they can get paid because of they don't know what the salary cap is yet. So it's, it's all a, a hurry up and wait game, I guess, for some of the players as well. Correct. Yeah, all those guys are on, on train and trial deals. And, and in the case of, of Johns and Lodge, um, you know, Lodge is, uh, hasn't been confirmed by the Roosters, but both of them have been since well before Christmas. So they're on $1,000 a week to train, basically to have insurance so they can keep training. And, uh, you know, you have to wonder just how messy this situation is going to get before it uh, gets better. As you rightly said, we're, we're only a couple of weeks away from pre-season trials and then the competition itself is, is less than six weeks away now. Uh, without a CBA or you know, a set salary cap, that's that's becoming a really, really big issue. Um, you know, it is the biggest issue facing the game right now, without a doubt. Uh, you know, hopefully they can get something sorted because the real losers out of this are going to be the fans. Um, you know, if we go into a lockdown, players aren't going to be able to train, which will then push back the restart of the season because you know they've got to be given some weeks to train under their. Uh, their agreements and rules. You know, we're going to be looking at a shortened season. Uh, we're going to be looking at potentially a reduced TV deal, which then in fact impacts the future money that the players are able to have. Um, we're going to be looking at delayed player movements. But, you know, it, there's so many different knock-on effects that um, you know are going to impact the NRL here if they can't get this sorted out. Probably, I would suggest in the next fortnight. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's the immovable force meets the unstoppable object, right? Um, I guess it's which one's going to cave first. For me, sitting here looking at it, uh, it feels like the NRL have got more to lose than the players. They do, yeah, um, because the players, and, and I think uh, it was uh, Welch who said this week, um, or maybe Carrigan, I can't remember which one, but one of them basically said the players have never been more united. You know, they thought, the NRL basically thought by putting out a, a big, um, shiny nugget, that $12 million salary cap that the players would just cave and sign the agreement. Um, but if anything, that's you know, only re- strengthened the resolve of the players, which then you know, it gives the NRL sense to lose a lot more out of this. As we saw during COVID, um, TV deals got cut. You know, head, head office at NRL got cut in a big way. Um, budgets got slashed. So if we look at another lockout where, where teams aren't playing, games aren't being played, um, the NRL do stand to lose a lot. But then, you know, the players also stand to lose a lot because if we go into a lockout, well, salaries cease to exist for a little while and um, you have to wonder if they'll put their livelihoods on the line, uh, essentially over uh, a couple of sticking points in, in the uh, negotiations. Now, I do have to say that uh, tomorrow on our, our drive show, The Run Home, Stephen McIver has Clint Newton on the show um, from the RLPA. I mean, if you could ask Clint one question regarding this, what would it be? Um. Oh. How do you narrow it down to one? Mm. Um, I think you know the biggest question is really what is going, what is it going to take to get this over the line? What what do both sides need to concede uh, to 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 move forward with a with a fresh CBA that locks the game in for the, you know security for players, security for the game itself for the next four or five years? Because right now the whole game's in jeopardy. Yeah, it is. Now, uh, at Zero Tackle, Scott, you, you do a lot of great work uh, talking about potential moves, player movement, um, you know, sort of contracts and things like that. And we've seen Stephen Crichton tell the Penrith Panthers, actually, don't even worry about, you know, putting a deal to me. Um, I've got something sorted. Nothing official has been announced, but uh, probably worst kept secret in rugby league is he's going to the Bulldogs. Um those guys have all of a sudden inherited the Roosters' salary cap. It seems. Um, what, what, what have you <laughs> made? Of, what a, yeah, yeah. What have you? What have you made of that move? Uh, I think the move. Well, you know, I think Penrith, for starters, um, we're never going to be able to hold on to Crichton. He's you know the hottest talent coming off. Well, one of the hottest talents coming off contract. Uh, certainly in for the biggest pay rise of all the players coming off contract. If you look at. Uh, who's improved over the last couple of years, but I think um, you know the Bulldogs. Yeah, again, I don't really know where they're finding all the money, but I think now that he's actually told Penrith that in, you know, he's certainly not going to be at, at the foot of the mountains in 2024, you could see a few other clubs make a late or a last gas play for Crichton. You have to wonder if he's already signed with the Bulldogs and he could be in that cooling off period. Of course, uh, the infamous Daly Cherry even backflip on the Gold Coast Titans brought that in a number of years ago where mm. players now have to sign and then wait 10 days before anything's announced. So he could be in that period and not even know about it. Uh, but I think a number of other clubs could come to the table um, in terms of offering Crichton, you know, finding a few hundred, few extra hundred thousand dollars purely because they know they're not competing with Penrith anymore. Where uh, Crichton, you know, certainly there was talk that he wanted to stay at Penrith, and he, he said in his comments uh, after or in that press release that it was the hardest decision he's ever made. Uh, but if it's not the Bulldogs, and you could be looking at clubs like the Dragons, Tigers, Newcastle Knights, who are chasing Lockie Miller, if they land Lockie Miller and that's off the table. Looks like his, that might be done. But I think the Dragons and Tigers are two clubs that could really uh, utilise someone like Stephen Crichton. Obviously, he wants to play fullback. Um, so, yeah, I think 
there's a number of clubs that could come to the table, find a bit of extra money now that he's definitely not going to be at the Panthers. Mm, yeah, and one of the other stories that's um, come out is is about Mitchell Moses and what he's going to do um, from the Eels. Uh, the Eels seem like they do have a bit more cash floating around now. They might be able to do something, but uh, it feels like uh, he is very much on the board and, and open to offers and you know, it's been talked about the Tigers, potentially even the Dogs. Yeah, as he has to be on the table. Uh, I think Parramatta certainly have more money than they did 12 months ago. Of course, you know, leading into the 2022 season, Parramatta had something like 17 players off contract at the same time. And that was a real t- tricky situation for the Eels to try and juggle their salary cap. Obviously, they lost some really good talent. Uh, Reid Marnie's gone to the Bulldogs. Uh, Murata Niakore off to the Warriors and, and a number of other players have left the club. But they're in a much better position salary cap-wise than they were probably 12 months ago. Uh, the signing of Dylan Brown is an interesting one. You know, they've signed him for two years, but then they, six years of options built into that contract. So... It's hard to, I guess, get a read on exactly how much that impacts the salary cap and whether they'd want to spend, you know, let's say $2 million on their halves. Undoubtedly, Brown and Moses are a great combination. They, you know, they've been to the grand final last year, finals a couple of years before that as well. Uh, but whether whether they want to spend two and a bit million on their halves, because they're going to need to, it appears that the Bulldogs are coming in hot, the Tigers are coming in hot, Mitchell Moses. Uh, there was some talk, I believe, that uh, the Tigers were going to offer as much as $1.3 or $1.4 million a season for Mitchell Moses, which is insane money when you mm. think about it. Um, and so if they offer that, it's hard to see Parramatta finding that sort of money, but then what will loyalty do for Moses if they get in the ballpark, will he stay? Uh, I, I can't see Moses signing anywhere real soon, put it that way. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, keep an eye on that one. And uh, finally, mate, um, b- before we let you go, the uh, story that I think Justin wrote uh, com is uh, about Eddie Jones, uh, of course, uh, now the new Australian rugby union coach. And he's apparently circled a few names from rugby league. Maybe this uh, CBA issue might actually play into Rugby Australia's hands. Uh, Will Penasini, Nelson Asafa, Solomon are a couple of players he's looking at trying to get across to the 15-man code. Yes, and of course, Joseph Suwali will be at the head of that list as well, you'd have to imagine. Um, certainly the CBA could play into Rugby Australia's hands if they don't get it sorted fairly soon, but I think the bigger factor, of course, is the 2027 World Cup, which will be held in Australia, uh, playing a Rugby World Cup on home soil. Uh, you know, it will certainly speak to some of those players that have grown up with a rugby a rugby union background or upbringing. Um, whether any of them go is up for dispute. I don't think Rugby Australia really have the cash that they did you know, 20 years ago when they were recruiting ahead of the 2003 World Cup, we obviously saw names like, you know, Matt Rogers, Wendell Sale, Lottie Takiri, uh, you know, playing rugby union. I'm not sure they have that sort of money anymore, and potentially that's why they're looking at some of the younger guys, Tennessee and Tolatau Kula, for example. Mm. Uh, but I think, you know, Suwali's the big one because he's hinted that he potentially will go and play rugby. Um, he's on player options with the Roosters for as long as, you know, he's basically up for dispute every year whether he'll remain in the NRL and he's going to for 2023. But there was a story a couple of weeks ago that he hasn't uh, accepted his player option for 2024 yet, which I think certainly speaks volumes over the fact that Rugby Australia would have made an approach to him and, and will want him to switch to the 15-man game without a doubt. Yeah, it'll be uh, one to watch. Nelson Asafa Solomon is an interesting one because he won't be playing it, I wouldn't have thought, in 2027. And he's born and bred in New Zealand. Um, so, I, I don't, yeah, I mean, he's a Wellington boy. He is a Wellington boy. I'm not sure why Rugby Australia have earmarked him. You're right. He's only 26, so he certainly you know, would oh, yeah. probably still be going around in 2027. Uh, but I can't really understand that one from Rugby Australia given uh, given he is a, a Wellington boy. And... Um, you know, I also don't 
really see him leaving the NRL. Melbourne Storm has stuck with him through some pretty some pretty tense situations over the last couple of years around vaccinations and whatnot. Uh, mm. So I, I can't really see him uh, exiting that club, but stranger things have certainly happened. They have indeed. Yeah, he's, 20, he's only 26. Feels like he's been around forever, Scott. Hey, listen, mate, thanks it's very tough. much. Yeah, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, always great to chat uh, rugby league and uh, I love what you're doing at zerotackle.com. Keep up the good work. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, yeah. Much appreciated. No problem at all. Scott Pride, editor of Zero, ZeroTackle.com. If you uh, uh, want a, a source for your rugby league news, now that NRL.com is not quite what it was a couple of years ago, uh, it's definitely a good place to go. Lots of like, lots of great uh, stories on there, but also they've got all the squads and who's in and who's out, who's left and who's who's coming. It, it's a really easy place to go, particularly like, you know, if you and I know you, you play fantasy NRL and things like that. Uh, it's, it's a good place to go just to see what that player movement looks like. Well, even the player contracts as well. Mm. So you can easily see like what players are in the top 30, how long they've got in their contracts, uh, even the development players as well and some of the guys that you probably wouldn't have heard of. Yeah. Totally. So zerotackle.com is uh, the website to check out there. Thanks very much again to Scott for coming on on that one. Uh, and now you, I understand, Ben, you've already... Six weeks out from the season starting, put together your fantasy NRL team. Big mistake, considering there might not be a competition. <laughs> but yeah, most, uh, I think it came out, you had the ability to do it before Christmas, and I kind of had penciled a squad together, but I was looking at it yesterday, and I thought, I'm not very happy with it, so I kind of blew it up and started again. Because it's, it's going to be, I wonder, have they tweaked it at all, given that we're going to have a... Um, more buys because the Dolphins are in, so every week somebody's not going to play? Yeah, I think they have changed the rules slightly, but I can't remember them, to be mm, honest. Okay, I, I'll worry about that close to the season. Okay, and and uh, I know you've blown it up and started again, but as a dyed-in-the-wool Warriors fan, how many Warriors players are in your fantasy team? That is a great question, Ricardo, and I can tell you mm. that I have uh, one, two, three. Three? Yeah, three. Are you, are you willing to let the cat out of the bag as to who those are? Yeah, I got uh, Tamari Martin, I got Sean Johnson, and I got Chance Nickel Klugstad. Mm, okay, all backs. Yeah, SJ, how much money is he eating these days? Oh, he's pretty cheap. Uh, oh, considering they... Jazz said he's, he's in the best he's ever been, you know, I thought would. But this is the thing, though. You do it now, but you don't know what the squads are going to be like. So half these guys I've got on my team might not even be playing. So yeah, right. you got a chance to you know, shape things up before the season begins. Well, and you got chance and chance. You got yeah, I got, got, I got a chance. Let's see what you did there. See what you did there. It is nine away from eight here on SENZ Extra Time. It's SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you. And uh, we have a theme tonight uh, for our songs. And uh, it is numbers. Songs with numbers. That is 3am. Matchbox 20. Uh, a couple of texts have come through. Double eight, double three with suggestions. Uh, Aidan McLaughlin suggested 19 by Paul Hardcastle. Which was a song, I think it was a protest song. It was about the average age of the GIs killed in Vietnam, 19, I think that from memory. Uh, also uh, from Craig, Love Potion number nine. I don't know who does that. Uh, 99 Luft Balloons, we know. And Mambo number five as well. There you go, there's the number five you needed, Ben. This is SCNZ Extra Time with Ricardo. We have a theme uh, every night with our songs out of the break. Uh, tonight's theme is uh, songs with numbers in the title. Metallica won. I was I was keen on playing all eight minutes of it, Ben, but you don't have all eight minutes. Sorry, mate. Uh, that's right. I'm sure, sure people didn't tune in to hear Metallica anyway. 
Oh, they might have. They may, they may have. I'd be quite surprised if that was the case. So if they tuned into SCNZ for, for Metallica. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll continue to play songs with numbers in the title throughout the rest of the evening. A reminder that after nine o'clock, uh, we head to the Australian Open. We've got all the live coverage coming to you straight out of Melbourne. And the big news, if you've missed it, is that Rafa Nadal has been knocked out by Mackenzie McDonald in straight sets. 6-4, 6-4, Rafa is gone, Burger. So... No more Rafa Nadal. Uh, we have seen earlier today uh, Igis Fitek, uh, the number one seed for the women's cruise six two six three through to the second round. Um, so that is a, that is a good sign. Also, uh, Felix Auger Alassami, the uh, Canadian, uh, he had to battle from two sets down to win three six three six six three six two six two. He's the sixth seed, uh, so he is through to the next round. But had to do it tough. Francis Tiafo uh, is the 16th seed. He got through over Zhang Shuang from uh, China, who's a qualifier. Six four six four six one. If you if you want to have a look at Francis Tiafo's uh, Nike tennis gear, not like nothing I've ever seen. Shorts uh, and a shirt that was kind of sleeveless, and it looked like something that you might have expected from a Jimi Hendrix lava lamp or something. It kind of had that kind of real psychedelic look about it. It's pretty cool though. I don't don't know that I'd wear it as like shorts and shirt matching pair, but uh, he probably he could pull it off a lot better than I could, I think, Ben, it's fair to say. Well, I think he's probably the only person that could pull it off, <laughs> yeah, but you, to you be might, fair. You might be all right. You might be right. Lots of lots of purples and reds and things in it. Um, it's pretty cool, though. You'd hate Wimbledon. Oh, Wimbledon would hate him, I think, <laughs> to be fair, uh, the, way, uh, the way they are. Uh, tell you, actually, somebody uh, else that England's not too fond of is Eddie Jones, so much so that they got rid of him um, as the coach of their rugby team. Uh, he wasn't out of work long, though, obviously. He's taken the Aussie job off of Dave Rennie, and Eddie Jones spoke today about having that job and replacing Dave Rennie. Obviously, I had a change in uh, employment status at England, um, and the Australian Rugby Union came in and, and uh, said would I be interested. And then, obviously, you know, you're always interested in coaching your country and, and said yes. And then, you know, we had probably discussed for, for the best part of a couple of weeks about what would happen next and made a decision on Saturday night to go with it. So here we are. I mean, how excited are you to be going back to Australia and to be taking on this job? Because it is a massive job. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's almost like... It was it was meant to happen in a in a funny sort of way. Um, yeah, you you start off. You know, I started off as a young coach, wanting to coach Australia, and then that dream gets taken away. You know, you get sacked, and you think, what am I going to do next? Um, and I've had a wonderful experience coaching, you know, South Africa, in Japan, and now England, and uh, never really, I never really thought about going back. Um, but then having the opportunity to do it in, in such a, a potentially a golden era for Australian rugby is uh, incredible. One thing that really excited me about the press release was your involvement with the Wallaroos as well. So we know you're going to be head coach of Australia's men's side, but you're also going to be... I mean, tell us, what, what does that look like? What does it involve? How are you going to be involved in shaping the women's game well, in Australia? It's, uh, you know, the role, uh, role initially, there was discussion about being a director of rugby and overseeing everything, but uh, you know, we want to make sure that uh, the women's game's in, in good stead and, and hopefully I can lend some experience to the head coach of the women's team and, and just 
you know, be a bit of a guiding hand. Um, you know, we saw with New Zealand what a, what a difference Wayne Smith made to the New Zealand team. And, you know, I think maybe I can make this, the same sort of difference to the women's team. OK, we've talked to you about Australia. I know that we're looking forward, but I do want to ask you a bit about your time with England, if that's OK. Yeah. Um, how do you reflect on it now? I mean, it's obviously been about a month now since you left your job as England head coach. How, now the dust has settled. I wonder how do you reflect on it all? Uh, well, there's obviously still a tinge of disappointment you don't get to, to finish a project. You know, we'd set out post the World Cup in 2019 to have a team that could win the World Cup in 2023. And there was a difference of opinion. You know, I felt we were where we needed to be, but the RFU didn't, which is their prerogative. So I don't hold any recriminations against them. Um, but I look back with uh, element of pride and disappointment, disappointment at not finishing the job. But I think, you know, I've left England rugby in a better spot than I picked it up and, and that was always the, the, the opportunity. And, and the second thing I'm really proud of is, you know, part of my job was to find the next England coach and Steve Borthwick's come out of having, you know, we've worked together for a fair period of time and he's excellent choice and do an excellent job. I mean, if we look back at last year, we know you had a disappointing Six Nations. We went to Australia, you got a really exciting series win there. It was a disappointing autumn. I wonder at what point did you think I could lose my job here? Was there a moment where you thought, okay, this has changed or? Yeah, well, it probably started post 2019 World Cup. You know, the first game of the Six Nations, we get beaten and there's headlines, Kate should be sacked. And so you're thinking this is going to be a tough time. Um, so I always knew that was sitting there. And the longer you're in the job, the more exposed you are to being sacked, I think, particularly at, at that level. And when you're not meeting the expectations of, of firstly yourself and the team, and you're not meeting expectations of the fans and the union, you know there's going to be problems. And you know, the, the wind changes a little bit, people, the way people look at you. And when you've been in the game a while, you start to realise, well, you know, we're probably getting closer to the end than we are, than we'd like to be. Did you think that you could have hung on until the World Cup, though? Uh, well, I didn't want to ha hang on. Yeah, I either wanted to do the job with their support or not do the job. And obviously the support had gone, so, you know, in the end it was a good decision for both. There you go. Eddie Jones talking about, uh, you know, that, that England situation stepping into Australia and uh, overseeing the women's program as well. I don't know if overseeing is the right word, but sort of having input there as well and saying he hopes to have the same impact as Wayne Smith. That's... I mean, you know, I think it's admirable to have those sort of goals, but it's a big call, isn't it, Ben? Do you know what I really want to see? What do you want to see? I want to see, you know, everyone was calling for an All Blacks coaching change, so mm. why not bring back John Mitchell for one year? <laughs> we can celebrate the 20-year anniversary of 2003. Of four more years. Yep, and but also <laughs> we've, got, we've got to remember the semi-final mm. from from 20 years ago. I mean, we bring back Eddie. Why not bring back John Mitchell? Yeah, yeah. I of, course, of course, I'm tongue-in-cheek. You might as well bring in <laughs> Carlos Spencer as well. But. To play 10, seeing that Richie Moong is off to Japan afterwards. Or well, half the All Black squad's leaving, so why don't we bring in Ruben Thorne as well? Why yeah. don't we bring in every, just everyone? Justin Marshall can make an appearance. Yeah, well, yeah, Marshy, Marshy still looks like you get around the park all right, actually. Bring back McDonald. Bring back McDonald. Leon. Oof. Yeah, there you go. Uh, a yesteryear team. I reckon we could do it. I reckon we could do it. Who, who'd you have in there? I'd, I'd love to see. You know who I'd love to see in the modern game? Obviously not now, but at his peak. Zinzan Brook in the modern game, I think, would just absolutely dominate. 
Have you seen the Facebook page? I think it's like the I think it's called like Rugby Battlers or something like that. So they they do posts of um like kind of like the guys that were like journeymen around different things, and they kind of you see them and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. So for example, they might have done a post on Brendan Leonard, right? The former Waikato halfback. Yeah, yeah. Just bring lots of those guys back. You yeah, know? that's what you want. Those guys and those guys have all the best stories. John O'Gibbs is available now. Well, yeah, that's true. Clement got rid of him, didn't they? So he's he's floating about. Mm. Well, there's a, there's a few things for us to think about. Uh, what's, what's your take on uh, on Eddie there? Having having listened to that, Eddie Jones saying that he he hopes to have the same impact on Australian women's rugby as Wayne Smith did on New Zealand uh, women's rugby. It's an interesting one. I mean, for for a start, I would say he's in this in a way in the same boat as Dave Rennie, and uh, that it's about the cattle that he's got. And do they do they have the players? Yeah, I think you've got to think about that. I know Wayne Smith took over after a, a bad time for the Black Ferns when they lost those four games, but you'd have to say that the women's game wasn't a lot stronger than what Eddie Jones has left it. Oh, sorry, and what, what he kind of took over it. So Eddie mm. Jones does have that, that harder task to do, but I guess he's probably looking at it, look, if I can close the gap, even if it's instead of, I don't think the Wallaroos have ever beaten the Black Ferns, so I guess if it's even if we, hey, we lose, but we're losing by 10 points now, he'll probably be happy with that. And I guess the interesting thing is Wayne Smith spoke about the challenges he had to learn to coach women mm. instead of compared to the men. So it'll be interesting to see what that adjustment would be like for Eddie Jones or being part of the environment, whether he's going to have to handle himself a bit differently or what, what how his approach is going to be. I remember that story because Eddie Jones is, is, is quite a hard-nosed bloke, right? And sometimes that hard-nosed uh, old-school approach doesn't always wash um, with with people. Um, we've, we've seen that happen before. Uh, and I'm reminded of that story, and I can't remember who it was, but there was a guy who was part of the England coaching setup, and uh, he thought he had, hadn't done his job properly as a coach uh, at training, and he tore strips off him in front of a whole bunch of people and sent him home. And then... Later on, was like, oh, actually, look, sorry, mate, and uh, I, I should apologise for what I said earlier. Uh, and he had this brown piece, you know, brown paper wrap. He said, I, I bought you some steak. Go home and have some steak with your wife tonight, and you know, I'm sorry about that. And then so the bloke took it home and thought it was there was a weird sort of day and a weird thing. He gets home, tells the wife the story. He said, but he's bought us a steak, and then he opens the brown paper, and it's sausages, and it's got a note in it. Oh, now he gets a text from Eddie saying. Mate, you're not ready for steak yet. You got to da da da. You're a, you're a sausage man at the moment. You you need to improve if you want steak. It was just like what, what? It was just a, it was one of those stories that you're like unbelievable. It's only someone like Eddie Jones could do that. He's been around that long. You'd almost put him in that bracket of he's got the really old school methods, the old school mentality. So, well, yeah. I, I, people seem to think well, guys that played under Eddie Jones twenty years ago. Seems seem to think yeah, it's a good appointment, and they seem to like being under him. But look, the game's in a different place. Uh, as Scott kind of touched on earlier, some of those guys, like the cattle that they brought over from league, it's mm. just they're probably not going to be able to do that. And the game's just in a completely different place to where it was ten years ago. You got to remember, Eddie Jones was coaching when they last won the Bledisloe Cup. Yeah, well, exactly. That's how long ago it was. It's a long time and, ago. and also the other thing is back then was when it was the trend, especially in the Australian team, to wear headgear and fingerless gloves. Yeah, how are you allowed to wear gloves in rugby? Surely it's cheating. I, don't, I just I just remember so many of the Aussie guys, I think it was like Stephen Larkham, uh, I think even Matt Ghetto did it as well, oh, yeah. just had the headgear and just like the, 
the like the little maybe it was I don't know hand warmers or something I don't know but yeah just it was just weird it was like the big headgear era it's a bit lightweight isn't it the hand warmers. Harden up, mate. What are you up to? <laughs> what are you up to? Uh, that was the other one that uh, you know we talked about before with with Scott Pride from Zero Tackle was the um, uh, the players that Eddie's apparently circled as to potentially target to bring over to Union, and the one that stood out for me was Nelson Asafa Solomona, um, because he's a big body, he's six foot eight, right? So he's going to have to be a Brody Retallick, but there's a lot of work you have to do in scrummaging technique as a lock. I mean, it's great to have a six foot eight bloke running around the field offloading. But he's still going to be able to do the set piece stuff. I guess you just got to try to get some of these guys over sooner rather than later. But we've seen a guy like Brad Thorne make the transition, mm-hmm. so it can be done. But it's whether that, as that's a challenge that Nelson would want. I guess he'd qualify because he's lived over there for a while. Yeah. So whether he, would he be happy wearing the jersey? Well, yeah, exactly. Would he be happy wearing the jersey as as? Playing for the Wallabies at the 2027 Rugby World Cup, part of his ambition, but it's it's hard to say. But I guess if you're looking at guys you want to target, I guess you probably look at someone who's probably at that point in their career. He's probably won an NRL title, played at a World Cup. You think, mate, you've kind of you've done a few things. You've achieved a bit in league. You know, I want to try achieve some things in the 15-man code. And I guess if he is to probably make it international rugby, it'll be a lot easier making it the Wallabies than the All Blacks, as we've seen how you know, Rogers we've asked to check on the best fullbacks in the game, and he can't even crack it. Can't make the 23 half the time. No, and you think of a guy even 10 years ago, like Benji Marshall came over, made the transition, didn't work out for him, but probably of different reasons. One or another probably just thrown around a bit too much, but... It's it's hard. So if he is going to do it, you'd want to give him a bit of time. You you know you'd want to do it probably like twenty twenty six and try have a couple that couple of years to try work your way and learn mm. before making that transition. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, yeah, it's it, it's probably too soon for the twenty twenty three World Cup. I think is what we you know for, particularly for somebody like uh, that's going to play in the Fords like a Nelson Asafa Solomona. It is sixteen past eight here on SENZ. This is extra time with Ricardo Ball. When we come back, we're going to talk tennis, the Australian Open with Jeff Simpson. It's 20 past eight here on SENZ Extra Time with Ricardo. Our theme tonight is uh, songs with numbers in the title. And that song is actually called Edge of 17. I know my daughter loves Stevie Nicks, and she always, can you play the White Wing Dove song? It's called Edge of 17. Come on, sort it out. Get to know your music. Uh, we'll continue to play songs with numbers in the title uh, right throughout the evening. Uh, a man with uh, plenty of uh, titles and numbers next to his name is uh, Jeff Simpson, uh, former New Zealand Davis Cup captain. He joins us to talk Australian Open. G'day, Jeff. How are you? G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, Rafa's out, mate. Straight sets. Uh, that's a bit of a shock. Yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest, though, you know, we've watched his form leading in, although, you know, Rafa get, does get better and better as a, in a Grand Slam as the matches go on, but he just didn't seem his normal self, even coming into the into the, um, into the the tournament and even watching him in his first round, he wasn't moving like he was. He's, he seemed a little out of sorts, especially mistiming a lot, and, you know, he, he depends a lot on his movement, and um, I just think, you know, there's there's obviously something wrong with him because you know he was hardly moving at all in that match and in, mm. in the in, in the third set which I was you know I saw the third set um, didn't see the first two but apparently um, Mackenzie came out and played pretty good tennis to start off with but 
I still think there's something, you know, something amiss with him. Yeah. But I guess we'll find out in due time. Yeah. Yeah. I've just, I, I've had the, uh, I don't have the sound up in the studio, obviously, but he's just been doing this presser. But he was, I think, towards the end of the second set, beginning of the third set, he had grabbing what looked like maybe a hip flexor. Um, and we, okay. We, yeah. We, yeah. Which would make sense in terms of, you know, sort of restricting his movement. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that makes complete sense because, you know, I mean, especially a guy against McKenzie, he hits the ball pretty hard and pretty flat, and um, it's coming off the court. Well, you know, you've got to you've got to move, you know, at the top of your game really to to sort of counteract that as well. So, yeah, just really tough for him to to see him lose like that. I, you know, as you know, I've been a I'm a huge fan, and um, you just don't like to see him, you know, losing a match. Uh, like that, you know, and sort of limping off the court, you know, after all, his great Australian Open last year. So, yeah, yeah. pretty sad, I think. pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, chances that that's the last we see of him at the Australian Open as a player? Oh, you know, people are always, you know, we always guess these things, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Roger retired when he felt it was right, right time, and I think Rafa will do the same thing, and... Um, you know, he has won the French 14 times, so whether he wants to go out there, I, I don't know. You know, you just, uh, I don't I don't want to second-guess him, that's for sure. Yeah, no, fair enough. What, a, what about Mackenzie McDonald? A lot of people won't know who this bloke is. He's ranked 66th in the world. Um, and coming into it, you know, he, he was a massive underdog, particularly not just because of the ranking, but, I mean, he, he uh, had to go through five sets against uh, Nakashima to get through the first round, and three of those sets went to tie breaks. So, I mean, he had a lot of tennis in his legs. Yeah, he did. I mean, McKenzie's always been around, you know, he's been around for a little while. He was, a, a you know, a top college player, and he... He plays on a. He plays particularly well on a hard court because he's, you know, as I said before, he moves, he moves, he moves really fast, and um, he, you know, he hits the ball really, really flat, and so, and times it early. And when he's playing well, you know, he's getting it quite early, so it puts a, puts a lot of pressure on you to move really well, well. And he's got a, I think, you know, that five set of match in the first round. He's another up, good up and coming American. That boy that he beat and so you know that probably would have got him and you know got his iron really really well and, and and he seems fit and strong so you know would have only done him the world of good so he's got a good you know he's got a good chance to go you know a little bit further into the draw yeah especially I mean, that will have opened the draw up you know with the number one seed yes. going out at that yeah. at, at the second round uh we saw Novak Djokovic back in action last night there was a lot of question marks about whether or not he'd actually played because he'd been carrying a hamstring injury but he looked pretty comfortable well, out of all the players I've probably seen at the moment, and you're right about that. We're, you know, I was, I was really interested to see him play, but um, and you know there has been that rumour that he is carrying an injury, but he looked he looked unbelievable. You know, he's he's playing and striking the ball really well, and I, you know he just loves that court at um, at the Australian Open. Uh, you know, he plays so well on it, and I think the ball just sits in the right place for him. He moves well on it, and he feels very very confident. Um, and I think the year that he, he won it one year and he came down and played, I think it was the ATP Cup first, I think he won 18 straight matches. You know, So it's pretty phenomenal. So he's back. And I think you know he played well. He played really well, looked really good. So as he goes deeper into the tournament, I think he'll just get better and better and better. And obviously that hamstring... You know, doesn't you know? It's not too bad, and um, his fitness is not affected. I think he's got you know a whopping chance to win this thing.
He certainly does with uh, with Rafa out. That certainly uh, doesn't do his chances yeah. in, in any yeah. harm. He did yeah. say uh, we had the uh, had a listen to the presser earlier on the show, and he did say that uh, the hamstring wasn't ideal with the with the words he used, but he said okay. it's getting better. Yep. So. Um, I, I think he, he he basically didn't do any practice for the last two or three days leading into the game. Mm. Well, you know he's got, he has to be very very cautious. These guys are you know very in tune with their body, and he knows his body well. And if he says that, you know he's he's I think he's letting everybody know that he is being very cautious and he's resting and he's got the he'll have the best available advice going on, and he'll be treating himself you know properly. So. You know, if he goes on the court, I, I, I would say he's got a good chance every time he goes because I don't think he'll go on the court if he if he's not a hundred percent. I'll keep keep an eye on uh, how Novak goes. Uh, we also saw another yeah. star of yesteryear. It feels like uh, he's been around for ages, still going as uh, Sir Andy Murray, getting through in five sets over uh, Berrettini. Uh, you know that he guts that out, man. That was a tough game, and he and he and he really dug deep to get through. Yeah, look, I mean. I thought he played a, a, a really, really good um, uh, fifth set tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he made his first serves. He, he, he hit his spots. Berrettini didn't really serve well in the tiebreaker. He served really well up to then, and he didn't put, wasn't able to put enough pressure on Andy. And Andy got off to a good start. Um, but you know, he's a you know a, a true champion in the way he fought hard for every single point and. You know, it meant a lot to him, and he's he's put a lot of work on him. You got to take your hat off him. He's 35. He's put a lot of work. He's had a lot of bad, you know, bad injuries with his hip, and to come back and do something like that and and win over five after being match point down, it's an incredible effort. And you just got to take your hat off to him, and and you know, wish him all the best in the next match. Hopefully he's fit enough to, to take the court. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hopefully it didn't take too much out of him. Uh, I mean, yeah. we saw Francis Tiafo win earlier as well. He he cruised in, in, in three sets. Is there anyone else that's sort of caught your eye? Well, I think, you know, looking at the top half of the draw, I think, you know, you've you, you've got Tiafo who was, was going to go into Rafa anyway, I think, um, quite early. And, you know, he, he was the one that beat Rafa at the US Open. And then you've got Medvedev, in the top half, um, along with Sitsipas. Um I think there's Sinner in there, Cameron Norrie's in there, mm. um, and I think Felix is in there as well. And he, I think he came back from two sets to love today, again, you know, to, 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 to win, which is a good effort. He, you know, he had that struggle first round with Popsicle, where he's down a set and, you know, won the next two in a tiebreaker. So he's, you know, he's finding his form and, um, You've got a couple of good young guys in there that, um, you know, Sinner, um, you know, he played very well at the US Open. Um, and you've got a couple of guys that were in, in New Zealand that actually play each other, um, that Urbank and um, the Hitcher, the Hitchka, I think it was, that played Cameron Norrie. Uh, they've both won a, a round over there. So they play each other to get to the third round. So, you know, you've got some good... You've got some good matches coming up in there. So, you know, the, the the top part of the draw, even though it's opened up at the lot, you've still got the likes of Medvedev, who's won there before. Sitsipas, who's always played well there. Uh, Cameron Norrie, that's playing well. Uh, and Felix, that plays well there. So, you know, it's, it's 
it's a it's a top it's a tough draw at the top. Yeah, very tough. Um, on the women's side yeah. of things, um, Sphertech won through today again. Now, uh, Sphertech, I should say, six two six three. Uh, she looks pretty comfortable. We've had a, had a couple of big names in the women's game out, but uh, you know, Madison Keys is doing it pretty pretty well against uh, Wang from China as well. She's up uh, one one set to nil. Um, and we've got Radicano and, and, and Goff coming up later tonight, so the, the big games keep coming. Yeah, that'll be good. That match will be good, uh, Radicano and Goff. I was, I was hoping we'd get to see that one in Auckland, but um, obviously never eventually eventuated because of uh, Radicano's little injury. But uh, she seems to be in quite good form because she, you know, she had a good win first round. Um, and Goff, we know, I mean, she's in really good form, so that will be a good you know, early match to see and gauge how Goff's playing, um, which I think she's playing very, very well and, and could go quite deep. Um, you know, I think um, Jaber came through in 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 the in the bottom half, didn't she? In, in three sets, so she struggled a little bit, but she seems to find. And I think Sakari won in a top three setter as well. So, yeah, you got some good matches coming up in there, and as, as you say, Swiatek is the one that is looking probably the best at the moment, and has got the form and the confidence. So, I mean, if, as long as she keeps her head and goes down, she's got a good chance to go through. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep an eye on the women's draw. Uh, I wanted to get you uh, yeah. before you go, mate. Uh, uh, Jamie Murray and, and Mike Venus have teamed up for the season. Um, they probably haven't had as successful a start as they would have liked with Adelaide and, and Auckland, maybe not quite going their way. Uh, but what do you make of that as a team, uh, as as a match? Well, I, you know, it's funny because every year I come back, um, Mike comes back and I see him down at the tennis centre and we have a chat and I say, How, how's it going and everything? And he says, oh... Um, I'm changing partners this year, and you know I think it just seems to be what happens. But he's he was very complimentary of Jamie and very happy that he's got the opportunity to play with him because he thinks he you know sort of complements his game, uh, the good friends, and he says it's really important that you've got a lot in common. They seem to have a lot in common, and um, you know they, Jamie has certainly won a lot of matches as along with Matt with Mike. So I, I feel that they have the potential to be a really good team and um, it's just playing the matches together and, you know, getting a few titles behind you, building your confidence and, you know, working on your combination and, and on your strengths and your weaknesses and, and, and trying to get the best out of each other. So yeah, looking at it on paper and after talking to Mike, I feel that, you know, I think he's, he's sort of struck somebody that he's going to really enjoy playing with and, you know, when you feel good and you're happy, I think, you know, you play your best. So wish them all the best. Yeah, they're ranked uh, 11th or seeded, I should say, 11th for the for the tournament, yeah. uh, which is prob- probably about right. But, I, I mean, that, that'd, be, that'd be a good dark horse to back for the title, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, they they, they definitely, like, if, if things go their way, you know, you've got to have things go your way at that level. And, um, you know, you've got to take your opportunities because you only get a very slim few of them. And... Um, if they do that, they certainly do have a chance. I mean, look, last year at Curios and Kokonakis came through, you know, and you wouldn't have thought that. But, um, you know, somebody like Mike and, and Jamie, who have got grand slams between them, certainly got every chance this year. And they do play well. They, they, they'll they play well on the hard court so at Melbourne. So they've got a great chance, yeah.
Yeah, all right. We'll look forward to seeing that. And, uh, and of course, um, and we've got Erin Ralph to look out for too on the women's side. She hasn't had a great start to the season, but uh, she's another player ranked, I think, 30 in the in the women's double scene. That it'll be uh, interesting to see how she goes with her. She's another one who's who swaps uh, her doubles partners quite a lot. Yes, but she, you know, like she's made a mark. She's a, she's 30 in the world. She's done she's done particularly well in the last year, and you know. If she continues growing in her game like she's like she's doing, you know, she's certainly got the game. She's a big, tall girl, got a great serve, volleys well, returns well, quite powerful. So, you know, hopefully she does settle on a partner that she enjoys to play with. And, um, yeah, you know, the sky's the limit for her. She's certainly got everything in front of her because she, you know, she is, you know, top 30, as you say, she's the the real deal for the the girls' circuit and doubles. Yeah, yeah. I'll well, look forward to seeing those two get underway. I think Erin uh, plays tomorrow. There, uh, her and uh, Rizolska are ranked 14th, and they're playing uh, Bodnar and Min out of Germany. So hopefully, they get through mm. that first round, get a bit of a run on, and uh, we can follow them throughout the tournament. Jeff, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, I know last time we talked to you uh, uh, on on the Aussie Open, you were over there last year, weren't you? Uh, no, not not. not I was over four. there, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. right. Oh, mate, you're, you're doing your best to dodge the heat because apparently they've had a bit of that over there. Yeah. So well done, <laughs> well they done. Have. Good yeah. stuff, Jeff. Go okay. well, mate. Thank you. Okay, okay, thank you. Jess, twenty five away from nine here on SENZ. Before we hit nine o'clock, we'll talk a bit of cricket and NFL. 20 away from nine here on SENZ. This is Extra Time with Ricardo Ball. And uh, we have our theme of the night is songs with numbers in the title. Uh, Brian Adams, The Summer of 69. It was an obvious one. But well done, Ben. Well done for picking it up. Uh, In around 20 minutes' time, not only are we going to cross to uh, the Australian Open to catch all the tennis coverage, but also the Black Caps are going to get underway in their ODI series against India. Now, I would suggest um, if you are of a mind to have a punt uh, that you get on India and you get on them now, um, they are a dollar thirty-three. I, I don't think they're going to get uh, any any longer than that. In fact, they'll just get shorter. Of uh, the Indians have won the toss, and they are going to bat. Uh, they've got Rohit Gill. Kohli, Kishan as well, Hardik, uh, Thakur, Kuldeep, Shami and Suraj in their team. That looks like a very, very good team. And New Zealand, though, uh, no Ishsodi, ankle injury for him. Um, So this is the New Zealand team. Finn Allen and Devin Conway are going to open. Henry Nichols, Daryl Mitchell. Daryl Mitchell at four feels a bit, bit high for me, but there you go. Tom Latham at five. Glenn Phillips at six. Then Michael Bracewell. Mitchell Santner, so that's uh, the two spinners we have, although Phillips can bowl a bit of spin. Henry Shipley is uh, down to come in at nine, and then Lockie Ferguson and Blair Tickner. So, yeah, the bowling looks a little untested, shall we say, uh, outside of Lockie Ferguson and Mitch Santner, but there you go. Uh, That is the New Zealand team, and that game gets underway uh, in around 20 minutes' time. In India, the uh, yeah, it looks like they're adjusting the odds at the moment. In fact, so uh, yeah, look, keep an eye on that one. But it looks like uh, uh, the Indians won the toss and decided to bat. Apparently, Tom Latham has said they were going to bowl first anyway. Um, I, don't, I think captains just say that when they lose the toss, don't they? Um, but there you go. So uh, look out for that one. Not too far away at all. The Black Caps taking on India in the first of those ODIs. It is uh, 18 away from nine. When we come back, we're talking NFL. 
The Proclaimers here on uh, Extra Time on SENZ with our theme of the night songs with numbers in the title at 500 miles. I once saw, Ben, there used to be a, an Irish pub down there on Fanshawe Street called the Immigrant Bar. And uh, the Immigrant Bar was a great place to go. I, I was there for the 99 uh, Champions League final, United versus Bayern. Um, but they, they often had bands play and they had this Irish band play who did that a cover of that song, but they were kind of almost a bit punky. Uh, and they changed all the lyrics. So it was, uh, I would drink 500 pints and I would drink 500 more just to be the man that drank 1,000 pints and threw up on your door. It was, it was poetry. It's like Shakespeare had been born again. Boy, I, I bet we had Al's sitting there somewhere thinking, anyway, she thought of that. <laughs> bound to be, bound to be. So, uh, yeah, that's our theme for the night of songs with numbers in the title. Uh, speaking of numbers, lots of numbers on show at the Australian Open at the moment. Madison Keys, uh, who is ranked 10th uh, for the tournament, has uh, just taken uh, care of Zhu Wang uh, in straight sets. So it's official. Wang's out of the Australian Open and uh, she will not go any further. But Madison Keys, uh, who is worth a look uh, at, at 10, um, she could trouble a few and go reasonably deep in this tournament, she looked pretty comfortable. Six four six two, in that game. A couple of games uh, coming up shortly uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, Dennis Shapovalov uh, gets underway uh, in around a couple of minutes' time against Taro Daniel, uh, and we also have Sebastian Corder uh, in a couple of uh, in a couple of minutes' time as well, underway against a Japanese player. So uh, yeah, lots of tennis coming your way. And from nine o'clock, that is uh, when we'll cross to Melbourne, and we will get. All that coverage for you, you can check it out right here on SENZ. Now, um, we have, of course, to talk about the NFL because the NFL is getting towards the business end of the season and Shiraz Soysa uh, joins us now. He is the flag football coach for the New Zealand flag football team. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, good. Good, mate. And congratulations, I understand, as well. Uh, you've just become a dad. Yeah, yeah, uh, second girl. So yeah, it's good news this morning. Yeah, great news, so I mate. Get a bit of sleep this time around. So it's, yeah, all looking pretty well. Yeah, well, mate, thanks for doing this call on uh, on such an auspicious day uh, and and talking some uh, some NFL. I mean, uh, we, let's talk about the wild card weekend before we go on to what's coming up this weekend. Uh, what stood out to you as the biggest surprise from the weekend just gone? Yeah, look, I think a couple of things. I think the fact about how competitive some of the games were mm. that I didn't expect to be overly competitive. Um, you know, I think the Dolphins uh, made a game that probably shouldn't have uh, been one, um, to be fair. And I think also Buffalo were pushed a lot harder than they than I thought they would be. So that was a big surprise. Um, you know, I thought those games would be pretty uh, clear and easy. Um, but, um, yeah, ended up not being the case. No, it didn't end up being the case. And the Bills committing more turnovers in that game than I think they have all season, just about. Um, we also saw the Cowboys go to Tampa and take care of business uh, and send Tom Brady home early. It probably wasn't that much of a surprise, that. But I guess, you know, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like I just hope that everybody at ESPN just shuts up and lets Tom Brady make the decision on his own because it felt like the only reason he played this season is because everybody retired and before he was ready to make the announcement. Yeah, it feels like, to a degree, it kind of feels like they're, they're jumping ahead of it to almost create a story. You know, I don't, you know, there's probably one press conference that he gave with the end. We thank the reporters. It's probably the only sign I really got that Tom Brady, you know, was, was definitely going to retire. 
Uh, you know, if I were to try to bet on it, I'd probably say he won't. I mean, you know, just looking at how his career tra- trajectory's gone, he's never been one to sort of, you know, walk away on a note like this. Um, I'm surprised he came back, but I'll also be surprised if he doesn't give it one more practice, given how things ended. Well, we've got uh, the divisional playoffs uh, this weekend. We've got the Jags take, uh, take on Kansas City, and the Giants have to go to Philly. Um I, I like the uh, sorry yeah, and I like the Eagles there. I mean, the Giants is the second road game in a row. I know Philly's just down the road, but they did have to go to Minnesota uh, last week. Do you do, do you count that against them having two back to back road games in the playoffs? No, I mean the Giants are a, a pretty good um, road team. They they're a team that are reasonably well balanced. You know, they can they can hit you in the run game and. You know, to be fair, a wildcard team does need a few things to go their way. You know, if if things go their way, they can also hurt you in the in the past game. So, uh, and they've got a, a decent enough defense that I think they can sort of handle most situations. The the challenge becomes if the Eagles get a, a lead to begin with and and can start, you know, sustaining that lead. I just don't think the Giants have it in them to come back. So so for them, as long as they keep the game close. And, and, you know, they either slow the Eagles down or they keep up, I think they should be able to match up okay. pretty well. Yeah, and, and, I mean, the Chiefs should take care of the Jags pretty comfortably, shouldn't they? You'd think so, right? But, um, you know, the, the Jaguars are becoming a team I, I would hesitate to write off. I think we're starting to see um, Trevor Lawrence coming of age. Um, you know, he's really developed just to sort of what we expected when he came out of college. Um, you know they've got weapons around them. They're they're really using uh, their running back Travis Etienne in a, a complementary fashion, um, and they've shown they can keep up with the best of them from a points perspective. Um, so you know, y- yes, absolutely. I, I suspect the Chiefs will be favourites. Um, you know, Mahomes is is in an absolute next level, but I wouldn't completely count out the Jaguars. Okay, I mean, I look at the games uh, that we've got on Monday: the Bengals at the at Buffalo and the Cowboys at San Francisco. Those games feel harder to pick to me than the games we've got on Sunday that we just mentioned. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think the Bills Bengals game. I think that's an absolute coin flip. Uh, it's a neutral venue as well. I haven't sort of kept up with the, the news around that, um, but that was what my understanding was just because of the, the Demar Hamlin situation, the way the game ended up. Um, but, you know, I think that's a 50-50 coin toss. You know, the, the two of the best AFC teams, uh, whoever, whoever wins that game, you know, should um, should go through and, and probably face the Chiefs, but that would, you know, one of those situations, they'd be quite battered in doing so because I'd expect an absolute battle um, between these two teams. Uh, probably the, the game of the week, uh, I'd say, um, but, but you know, the, the Cowboys 49ers will be another good one as well. Yeah, I mean, the, but, but you definitely, definitely Monday's the day to watch, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah it rather is. Rather than Sunday. Yeah, well, they're playing at Highmark Stadium that game. Um, which is in New York. I just don't know if it's in Buffalo, New York. I think it, I think it is. I think it is at the Buffalo the Buffalo ground. But we'll, uh, you, that's according to the NFL website. But we'll have to. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you mentioned um, the the Forty ers and the Cowboys. I mean, uh, that feels like it's going to be a good old fashioned shootout. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, the Forty ers You know, I, I did not expect them to look as good as they did last week with Brock Purdy at quarterback. You know, he was he was. Great college quarterback, but it's one of those players who everyone thought, you know, good college career, but probably doesn't have what it takes to kick off to the next level. And to see him do that, this at the point end of the season as a rookie, uh, that's you know that's something that is is very very hard and very rare. You see players come in and do that for a game or two, and then teams figure them out. But he's he's sustaining this, and and what I'm, I guess I'm quite curious to see is whether he can sustain it 
uh, for another game. He's going up against, you know, um, probably outside the Eagles, the next best team uh, in, in the NFC. So, you know, um, the way I see it, if, if Brock Purdy proves he's a real deal, I, I see the 49ers, uh, you know, quite easily walking over the Cowboys. Um, but if, if they can test him, if they can bring him down to earth and, and also, you know, overcome their 49ers defense, uh, it's possibly going to be a good game there as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, this weekend of games, uh, four games that are going to be uh, great to watch. Uh, we, we've got about a minute left. So just, uh, Shiraz, before we let you go, I, I've taken the Bills and the Eagles as my Super Bowl. Who have you got? Yeah, I'd probably go Eagles and Chiefs uh, as my picks. Um, just because, you know, I, I do think Mahomes does win out on experience. Um, Mahomes, Burrow, and, and, and um, you know, um, uh, Josh Allen, those, those are three fantastic young players coming through the AFC. So you can really pick any of them. Um, um, but, you know, it should be a really good Super Bowl this year. Yeah. As long as one of those four or two of those four teams make it in. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hey, Shiraz, thanks very much for coming on and chatting NFL to us uh, when you, you've got a nappy or three to change, I'd imagine, mate. Go well. Uh, yeah, en- enjoy right. your new new daughter and uh, enjoy uh, the football this weekend. Thanks, mate. Go well. Yeah, Cheers. and have a good one. Yeah, you too, Shiraz. Also there with us talking NFL. We're about to head to Melbourne and catch up on all the Australian Open action.